Hello, STR community, um, and especially Sergio Lazzarini. Uh, my name is Tim Folta, and I am STR division chair. Uh, I'm so pleased to help launch our Meet the Scholar series today. Our intent with this series is to feature a sampling of scholars having made a large impact on the field and make this content available to our members either synchronously uh, or asynchronously through our divisional YouTube channel. Uh, in so doing, we hope you're enlightened by the many contributions of these individuals. We're ho we hope you're also inspired by the personal journey of influence each has had. Our Stronger Together Task Force has assembled a variety of scholars from which you can choose to watch and listen. And we would be very pleased to have you along for one or all the speakers scheduled between now and July. Please be aware that the STR division has a whole portfolio of virtual offerings throughout the year for your benefit. For example, to aid your intellectual development and networking, we will offer teaching PDWs, research symposia, regional paper workshops in Chile, Turkey, and Australia, and PhD networking events. For STR members hoping to engage others in the community, we've scheduled exercise groups, game nights, cultural cafes, and other things. Please see our divisional calendar and website and sign up for our social media channels to stay informed. So these efforts we believe are certainly important during these challenging times to keep you to keep you connected to a vibrant community that cares about your professional development. However, they also reflect our strong belief that the annual conference is only one way to nourish our members. So with this backdrop uh, on the happenings in the division, it's wonderful that Sergio Lazzarini is the first scholar we meet. He represents a generation of strategy scholars that's aggressively pushing us forward. And I look forward to hearing from him and about him. Thank you, Tim. Hello, everybody. My name is Roberto Vasolo, and I will be in charge. I have the honor to be in charge of interviewing Sergio. I will make first a brief presentation on Sergio. After that, we will start the conversation. And about 40 minutes uh, after we, we, we start, we will open to a Q&A. So uh, let me go briefly through this amazing CV. Um, Sergio is uh, the Chafi Haddadi Professor of Management at Innsbruck in Sao Paulo. Uh, he got his PhD uh, at Washington University in St. Louis in the year 2002. Uh, he had um, he, he had very vis several visiting positions in very prestigious universities like Harvard, St. Gallen, in HEC, and so forth. Uh, what is more important, maybe for today's conversation, 
his research tackled the intersection about the public and private sector and how they organize uh, to improve economic and social performance. Uh, we will be discussing about this in, in, in some minutes. Um, he's a founder and director of uh, a center of Inspire Metrics, it's a center, research center. Um, he got a lot of prizes and awards. I will not go through them, I just show. Uh, but I think that another aspect that makes search unique it, he's not only a, a bright researcher with a strong um, vita of, of publications in the, in the leading scholar journal, but he was also a consultant of uh, the International Development Bank, the World Bank. He was also, um, he, his research and, and, and his article were also published in The Economist, Financial Times, Bloomberg, several uh, very prestigious uh, managerial uh, outlets. Uh, and he has served uh, in different committees uh, at the Academy of Management. So, um, Sergio, thank you very much uh, for this time. Thank you very much for, you. for being here. And let me, let me start uh, breaking the ice. So, uh, where where did you grow up? Where did where, where you come from? I'm here in Sao Paulo. I grew up here. I'm a, I'm a person from uh, Sao Paulo, even though I live in a different neighborhood. But uh, I grew up in a, in a, a mid-income neighborhood called uh, Belenzinho. Uh, very nice to mention this. I'm <laughs> very proud of it. And, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a creature of this city. <laughs> and, and, and your undergrad, what in, in what was your undergrad? What 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 major? I, my undergrad was in uh, in uh, agronomy. I'm an agronomist actually. Uh, in when I when I was studying, because by my uh, my father I had a, had a farm, so I helped uh, him in the management process. Uh, and uh, during my um, undergrad studies, I specialized in agricultural agricultural economics. My natural trend would be to follow, I mean, economics in a sense, but then I was uh, incentivized by some of my professors to uh, actually pursue what, uh, what, has been, what was called and has been called agribusiness. Agribusiness is, a, is an area that essentially it's, uh, in a sense, is a strategy applied to, to agricultural chains and so on. And uh, so then, so I went to the, uh, I specialized in, in this area of business, so I have a I studied a lot, uh, supply chains, etc., and this led me to uh, pursue this uh, uh, this career in business, this academic career in uh, business studies, in a sense, and strategy. So, and uh, between before jumping into your PhD, between your undergrad and the PhD, what was your main activity, your main experience? Yeah, I was, I was a consultant uh, in this agribusiness uh, sector. I mean, working with uh, uh, food processors, I mean, trading companies, a bunch of firms. Uh, back then, I didn't know that uh, this strategy kind of uh, discipline existed, but I was lucky to be part of a master's program here at the University of Sao Paulo with, uh, with several scholars like uh, 
Décio Zilberstein, Elizabeth Farina, Paulo Fourquin, all those guys who uh, were studying back then transaction cost economics, new institutional economics. So I was introduced to this kind of uh, uh, research stream uh, back then. You know, I mean, it was 95, 96. So that was, this was at the beginning here, at least uh, in, uh, in Brazil, even though in other, in other schools in the United States, it was... Uh, it was already kind of a, an important theory to explain um, uh, the boundaries of the firm, corporate decisions, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't know that strategy existed. Uh, and then uh, I had an opportunity to participate in the first uh, meeting of the International Society of New Institutional Economics. It was at, the, at Washington University, right? At the, the only business school. So I like it there because we not only, uh, they not only had uh, um, scholars in the, at the business school dealing with those topics like Todd Zenger, Jackson Nickerson, um, um, uh, Gary Miller, a political scientist was then uh, at, at, at the school. Ruskoff was there also. I mean, a wonderful set of scholars and also in the econ department, uh, Douglas North, <laughs> right? Many other guys. Uh, dealing with those topics. So I, I, I thought that was very interesting. So I applied and, 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 uh, and thanks God I was accepted. It was a very interesting moment in my life. And I imagine Sergio, because when I listened uh, your history, your personal history, you, you have a very broad exposure or to, to very different topics. Uh, I know that you, your supervisor was Todd Sanger, no? Correctly? Yes, yes, so yes. For a person, so a person like you that uh, show so many interests, how was that part of your career of selecting, of, of, of narrowing and converging to a specific topic? How, how, how did you, how, did, how that, that initial interest evolve? Yeah, no, it's nice that you, uh, that you ask that because back then Washu was pretty much interdisciplinary. So I, so I, so I took courses in the law school, I took courses in the econ department, policy, I mean, you name it, psychology. Um, my program in a sense was strategy and organizational behavior, meaning that uh, my, some of my colleagues were in OB. So that was really uh, important. Uh, and I, I, tried to, I tried to keep this mind, this more interdisciplinary mindset to explore you know, um, let's say opportunities, right? To integrate certain streams of knowledge, etc. At, at the business school, uh, so I work with Todd, Jackson, Nickerson, etc. Uh, they were also very open uh, to new perspectives. But uh, in, in my dissertation, I, I converged initially uh, to the study of uh, relationships, buyer-supplier relationships and networks. All those things I was already studying uh, in my master's, as, as I mentioned to you, I mean, I, I began with this uh, kind of professional career as a consultant uh, to agribusiness companies, essentially supply chains, right, uh, and, and, and so forth. So, um, so my dissertation was about interorganizational relations, but this period at, at WashU was very important because I was exposed to a bunch of things, for instance, I took two courses of uh, Douglas North, actually. It was, it was a real honor and pleasure. And, uh, and so, I, so I studied a lot, I mean, institutional development. This was, this was key uh, to support my subsequent uh, um, refocusing of my research, right? Which was in this kind of more uh, 
public, <laughs> at this public interface discussing the effect of institutions on firm performance or how institutions themselves are designed or the, the impact of managers in the design of those public policies, right? I mean, all those things. Um, I mean, let let right. me interrupt a bit. I'm sorry, right. sorry. But, uh, because you have been, a, you have a take an a broad approach. Uh, was there any moment, any personal moment in which you you think you you think that you were going too broad, losing focus? You were scared of that approach. Was so because when I see your research, everything looks great and it's amazing. But but th th that path, uh, did you have certain? Uh, struggling moments on, 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 on that decision of going broad? No, uh, it, it seems that, I mean, if you take a look at, that, at my papers and, and, and books, you may say, well, this guy's talking about everything, but it's all, in my opinion, it all boils down to comparative institutional analysis. I mean, this is my mindset. It's, it's, it's close, right? It's, it's about transaction costs, comparing organizational forms, different times, types of performance. Right, I mean, this is all uh, that, that I learned in my master's and the doctoral. The, the course was actually uh, uh, at, at WashU uh, uh, in several moments. I, I, I actually took calls one day to his hotel. <laughs> I, could, I could listen to stories about his personal life. I mean, all, all, this, all this, this boils down to comparative institutional analysis, right? So for instance, when my dissertation was about buyer-supplier relationships, which also is related to this general topic about the boundaries of the firm. This is based on transaction cost considerations, comparative analysis. If, if, you, if, you, if we're going to advise governments, completely different topic, on how they should manage certain types of activities or, right, or, 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 or influence the economy, it is also comparative. I mean, you have several types of uh, alternatives uh, in which governments can uh, act in the economy, since I don't know, state on, uh, using, for instance, state-owned enterprises or industrial policies, public-private partnerships, right? And even private markets can have a bunch of uh, uh, public incentives, uh, no market, no market forces. So I mean, it, it is all, all comparative, uh, and, and even now I, I use essentially. I mean, if, if, you, if you actually go back to the origins and the root, is is comparative institutional analysis. I was trained <laughs> to do that, right? Sergio, and in in that area, what what where where do you see the most interesting research opportunities today? And I, I in the answer. I, I will also would like you to leverage on your situation of being in an emerging economy. So, oh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so that's nice. Uh, that's nice, Roberto, because you also know that we, 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 Roberto and I, we are friends, right? I mean, so we talk every time co-authors. So being in an emerging market, uh, I mean, uh, can be a difficult thing, right? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, instability, all this roller coaster of, uh, you know, changing policies. But uh, in a sense, it's a blessing because you have several types of problems flying uh, at your face and things that are not uh, currently examined uh, by current research. Uh, so when I graduated in 2002, um, 
nobody, for instance, was talking much about emerging markets and, uh, I mean, in, in strategy, let, let's say. And then all of a sudden it was the, there was this growing interest in examining emerging markets. Then we had China growing. And uh, so folks started to, 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 to ask questions about what are the implications of being in an emerging market. It's all, it's all institutional. You, Roberto, you have uh, this wonderful line of research on crisis. I mean, which is which is pretty important, right? Uh, in general, um, and I myself, over time, I started, I, I mean, realizing how important and understudied governments were and are. I would say, and this was actually uh, quite random in a sense. I mean, I was here in, in Brazil and hearing stories. And I was like, I mean, I'm doing this stuff on, you know, I don't know, supply chains, the boundaries of the firm. But I mean, when I talk to managers, they're talking, they're mentioning other stuff. They're talking about political uncertainty. They're talking about government interference. They're talking about the presence of state-owned state corporations in, uh, in, in, in industries. And then I said, I mean, I'm not, I'm not studying this. I mean, I, there's this disconnect between what is going on and what I'm studying. And then there was uh, something happened, which was pretty random. Um, I was invited by Bruce Cobrut. Bruce was back then at, the in at INSEAD, actually. Um, this was 2003, to participate, participate in a global uh, group of scholars examining who are the owners of the main companies, right? In, uh, in several countries. And uh, he asked me to examine Brazil. I started collecting data on Brazilian companies and their owners. That was 2004, something like that, 2005. And we uh, here in Brazil and several other countries uh, 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 had this big privatization program in the 90s, right? And But when I started analyzing the data, I said, I mean, there are many, so many governmental actors to participate in companies. I mean, this is huge hugely important. I mean, why is that? And, and then I started digging deeper into this process, right? And trying to understand what is going on. And, and, and this led to the, I mean, a, an important kind of our research agenda that I am, I, I, I'm involved with even today, which is, I mean, the, the presence of the government and the economy, uh, this interface between Private, act, private actors and the public and the public sector, right? Uh, and, and so on. So it's not always easy because sometimes when I mention, oh, you're still in state-owned enterprise. Oh, those firms are inefficient. This is bad. I mean, we all know that private firms are better. Not necessarily like that. I mean, <laughs> the answer is, is much more complicated. And uh, I mean, and, and if you take a look at the world, I mean, sorry. I mean, those organizations are widespread and there are public-private partnerships, there are public policies, private companies respond to public policies and so on. So that's, that's about it. One, one issue, Sergio, uh, I, I think that it would be nice to share with the audience. Uh, I think that there was a moment in your career when you decide to write a book. Uh, yeah. And is, uh, is not uh, a small detail because the book will compete. You are in, in, in a more hostile environment than US for research. So writing a book will certainly compete with your papers and you, you, you have been, been very competitive from the research perspective. 
And you wrote, you wrote that amazing book that I think in Portuguese is Capitalismo Dulazos, pronouncing correctly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah. How, 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 how does idea, what, 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 uh, what triggered you the decision of, of getting into that project? And what, what was the, how, how do you analyze that retrospective, that project? Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, that, that directly resulted from that project with Bruce Kogut, which was called the social, uh, uh, the small world of uh, corporate networks. And uh, Bruce uh, edited a book, I'm a co-author, so. And, but then I, I, I thought uh, the, the audience here in Brazil would, um, I mean, it would be nice to explain what happened to the, the more public audience. I had this kind of, uh, good feeling that I needed to talk to the local audience. So, so this, this book that you mentioned, Capitalism de Lassos, which can be roughly translated as capitalism of ties or network-based capitalism, some, uh, something like that, uh, basically demonstrated how uh, public and private interests were uh, intertwined in the, in the lives of corporations uh, here in Brazil. It was for the local audience. This was so important. This is by far, even though it was published in Brazil and not translated, this is by far, I would say, the most, most read piece that I ever wrote. I mean, journalists, lawyers, bunch of, I mean, students, they frequently write to me, they ask me questions, I'm invited to <laughs> discuss those topics. And uh, it was not, it was not, it didn't target, for instance, the Academy of Management Journal. I was not actually concerned with that when I wrote that. However, uh, when I was writing this book, I was spending some time at Harvard. And, and then I, I, I had some interactions with Aldo Musacchio, who was back then. And Aldo was interested in also in this general issue of state uh, participation in the economy. So we decided to begin another book project, right, which, which led... Uh, which led to my second book, which is which is called Reinventing State Capitalism with Aldo. Um, uh, essentially, we expanded the, the concept and we generated uh, several chapters that uh, some of them actually led to some publications like uh, uh, one paper at the Academy of Management Journal. Uh, I mean, so uh, it was so important uh, to generate a bunch of other uh, publications, different from this first book this one was kind of that there was this intention to generate more uh, academic publications uh, yet yeah, that book was also important it, it was it was part of the debate because uh, there was this need to understand what was going on China was emerging there was this uh, this emergence of state-owned organizations Brazil also I mean India if you take a look at India there are several types of uh, public funds if you go to Singapore, I mean, there, there are two big state-owned funds investing in several firms. I mean, there was this need to understand what is going on. This book was, was also well-received. It was actually even reviewed in this uh, Schumpeter uh, column of The Economist. We're very happy about it. So, I mean, uh, this led to I mean, several interactions and consulting projects with uh, OECD 
other organizations, the World Bank, etc. And it was also very important for public policy, in a sense, uh, right? The, the results of those of of, 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 of of that kind of research could interact with policymakers, and even even lead to new new legislation here in Brazil. I mean, that was that was, that was really cool. I mean, <laughs> talking to politicians explaining the results of our research and this leading to improvements in law, right, and, and in regulation. This is, I mean, I, I, re I really think this is crucially important. As you, you show, uh, it's easy to, to listen in your words, a, a deep sense of purpose in regarding improving society. That, that's great. And let me, you mentioned consulting, and this is an, a tricky word for academics. Um, several times uh, I listened the advice, don't spend time in consulting, focus on your papers. That's what mainly matters. That's something that when you are a doctoral student and a young scholar, you listen a lot. Uh, you have done consulting with multilateral institutions. I understand also with the private sector. Uh, what was your experience in that regard and which would be your advice to younger or young scholars? No, young scholars, I would say, keep your consulting at minimum, <laughs> right? Build your, build, build your pipeline for sure, right? I mean, try to build your pipeline. And, and I, I, I don't, I mean, uh, my consulting is not like do a strategic planning for me. I mean, uh, other consulting firms will, will do it much better. So I try to find things, or I mean, I, I don't try to find, but uh, when there's an opportunity, I try to see if this is uh, more or less complementary with research, or at least if this will, uh, another thing that I think is important is that uh, by interacting with the private sector, with the external sector or governments, I can have a better sense of what is going on and the demand. Sometimes I, I get involved in some projects where I don't know whether that will generate some sort of publication or something, but at least I, I I, I kind of start a new area, right? Uh, I mean, you, you, you read my, my CV and uh, you mentioned that I coordinate a center called Inspermetrics. Uh, and it's pretty funny because now I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm studying a lot this other uh, area, which is related by the way, I mean, in my, at least in my mind, <laughs> which is impact investing, uh, impact oriented businesses, right? Uh, to me, it's a boundary choice as well. It's like, Okay, governments uh, usually uh, take care or they try to take care of those things that are more socially oriented, public services, etc. say a prison or a school or a hospital. What if we have socially oriented business that try to deal with the, in, in this or right act in those areas? It's a comparative so choice, comparative institutional choice. So, and now uh, uh, we, we kind of realized that companies, uh, organizations needed uh, an improved guidance on how to observe uh, or how to measure, how to uh, assess those externalities that they are generated, either positive or negative, right? Uh, so in a sense, uh, so, and then, we, but there, there, of course, there's also this whole area of, of impact evaluation, policy evaluation, but what is missing is this connection with organizations. So that's, so we decided to, to, to create a center focused on this. Okay. So, uh, so for instance, uh, we did a consulting job f funded by uh, the Inter-American Development Bank here 
uh, on a very new type of con contractual arrangement called a social impact bond. The social impact bond is a, is a, is a contract where the, the government signs with uh, private investors and private operators where they deliver separate, certain types of activities, say they manage a prison, imagine a school, they manage a school, a hospital, whatever, and then they receive payments based on metrics of performance, right? So for instance, if you're running a prison, uh, they can have a metric of performance, like not, 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 only, not financial, but something else, a measure of the externalities generated by the process. In a prison, for instance, um, the extent to which the released prisoners commit crimes again, once they are released, this is called resocialization, resocialization rates, right? Or reincident, which is the inverse of reincidence, right? Uh, recidivism, actually, is a technical term. So you can have metrics of recidivism and then the government can pay private operators along those lines. So we got involved in uh, projects like this to understand more about, about those mechanisms and then generate papers addressing some issues that are not easily, that, that are not understood, right? So that's, that's essentially my strategy with consulting. I only get involved in more difficult things that are more, in a sense, experimental, right? They are not simply, you know, let's, let's do a SWOT analysis to an organization, you know, something like that, something more experimental. Sergio, I, I, I would like to shift a bit the conversation before before moving. How many scholars are working with you at Inspar, more or less? Oh, a lot. Uh, so yeah, a lot. With papers, I mean, I don't know, five, six. No, but more. in general, what is the research environment in your institution? How how large is? Oh, uh, how large? The, uh, yes, yeah. How many? Well, yeah. Well, that, that's another thing in my, in my career that uh, some, sometimes uh, when, I don't know, if, if, you, if, if you are uh, working in an established uh, school, you, you take for granted all the institutional environment and all the structure. You know that, Roberto, because you also helped build DIA, right? You, were, you are a leader. And that was my case. So essentially, when I arrived at my school in 2002, uh, I was the only management research-oriented management scholar. So essentially, I, I had to help build the school. Uh, that was, in a sense, I had several balls. I mean, they asked it several times, they asked me several times to, to, um, uh, to help in administrative uh, uh, jobs. I was dean twice, academic dean twice. So, I mean, on the other hand, this uh, was, was part of the process. So uh, I can say that I hired many of our uh, my current, my current colleagues, colleagues, and and, and for instance, uh, and right now in strategy we have Sandro Cabral, we have uh, Guilherme Fowler, uh, others. We have uh, folks in in marketing, Danny Clara. I mean, we have we have now a group. We're not a big group, but at least we're trying to be uh, a productive group, right? We're trying to to be a productive, productive, productive group that is trying, trying to connect to the international community, right? Because this is not, not always the case, as you know, Roberto, right? Sometimes here in Latin America and other countries, there is this tendency to say, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, connecting internationally is so difficult, so difficult to publish in SMJ, so let's not do that, let's publish in local journals, etc. So it's so difficult. So uh, essentially we need to try, uh, 
we need to try uh, to, 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 to nurture this, this culture, right, of, uh, of staying connected with the international community. Not easy, right, but at least we try. Okay, I, you, you, you anticipate and partially answered the question I was going to, to, to tell you. Maybe some of the researchers that are now in the audience are thinking or are located in emerging economies or not in the central country's great research environment. So I, uh, one of the, my, my, my question is, if you can give us a reflection about the challenges and this, the, the academic community faces in, in that in, in emerging economies, in maybe yeah. Latin America is more something that you know more, but in general, and how to overcome that challenge. You already said I tackled part of the of the question, but if you can expand a bit, and also if you can sell working, uh, if there is working in an emerging economy. Yeah, and uh, no, I can also sell our paper in the Journal of Management, right, with Herman Aguinis and the other guys on uh, the challenges of, uh, of, of, of publishing in, uh, in, in staying in Latin America and other emerging economies. I mean, it's a big challenge. And uh, the biggest challenge perhaps is that uh, sometimes the organizations or their schools are not as developed and they, they don't have well-defined research tracks, meaning that they ask you, they're going to ask you to do a lot of things, uh, teaching and, uh, and administrative uh, tasks and so on. I mean, over time, you need to build this. As I said, I helped build this in my institution, creating uh, strong kind of our research-oriented tracks where, where, where my colleagues have, uh, I mean, if they publish more, they have less uh, teaching load or something like that, right? I mean, so it's so difficult because, uh, I mean, you also need to create your, your own uh, or change your own micro institutional environment, your own uh, rules of the game. It's not always uh, natural, right? Uh, we don't have that many, that many resources as well. I mean, uh, uh, and, and uh, so many, many competing, competing demands, uh, instability, all sorts of things along those lines. On the other hand, we have opportunities, right? I mean, uh, as long as uh, we have, I mean, we, we are in good, in a good environment and uh, we have a school that is committed to research. So perhaps we can uh, can have the, this, this, this kind of general orientation where we address the many, many, many problems that we have here in uh, emerging economies with good research. And this helps, right? Uh, perhaps, uh, uh, have new topics, original topics. They are not always, uh, they are not well studied yet, right? And this creates some new opportunities. I I have one last question before opening to to other um, assistant question, and it's, it's a personal one. I one I never asked you. What is your favorite soccer team, Sergio? It's Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is a soccer team here in uh, Sao Paulo city, <laughs> right? So yeah. Are you a, are you a, a guy that go go to see to see match or not? Yeah, I, I follow uh, I follow the local championship, uh, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I mean, a guy that goes to to stadiums that uh, uh, is strong fan. Like like Sandro Cabral, my my colleague, he's a he's a true fan. He goes to the, to the stadium. 
Uh, I mean, uh, I, I tried to, to stay with my family, etc. And uh, so watch the games and try to follow <laughs> what's happening. I mean, remotely. <laughs> okay, was, uh, thank you for, for that last, last confidence. Uh, I think that before going to the question, we have to take a photograph, no, Chao? Yes, please. Everyone, if you are dressed for waist up, um, feel comfortable to open up your camera. We'd love to take a screenshot and capture this moment. Thank you. So one, two, three, <laughs> say cheers. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, and we're also opening up for, for questions, right, Roberto? Yes, there is, there is one question. You can also research there. Uh, and is what is the research project about which you are most passionate right now? Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> uh, one thing that changed uh, and that was really, really cool uh, at my school was that we created a, a doctoral program uh, and, uh, and we had several students. Some of them are here. I can see it. I mean, I can see Leandro, Tomas, Leo. Bonjolupi was not our uh, doctor student, but he worked uh, uh, with, with, uh, with me a lot. Vitor Freire, very happy that you guys are here. So essentially, uh, I mean, all those guys are doing marvelous research and uh, I'm kind of working them. Uh, so this is, this is brilliant. They all come with new ideas and so on. And so I have a bunch of papers. We are, we are uh, we're generally investing, all those guys, so generally we're investing in this general area of whether uh, organizations, corporations can, uh, how, what, 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 are the, what are the mechanisms that may lead those corporations to embrace social environmental um, projects, uh, whether this may or not be consistent, consistent, with, consistent with economic performance, Right, I'll, uh, I mean, uh, several projects along those lines. So I'm very happy. So in terms, of, in terms of papers, I can say that, I mean, now essentially what I'm doing is working with those guys, right? Now I'm starting a, a, a new book project. Essentially, I love to, I know you're asking me about books. Uh, I think I didn't answer that question properly, but I love to write books. Why that? Because with books, you can build your argument, right? And you are, uh, sometimes you send a paper to a bunch of reviewers, they, they want to, uh, they, they, okay, it's fair to say that, uh, I mean, this is wrong, but this is not well explained, but sometimes they want to change your, your argument along the lines that they want, etc. I mean, a book or more, I mean, you can say, you can develop the argument and, and, and furthermore, you can, um, uh, you can have chapters where you expand the argument and, and right now, I mean, closing this triad of uh, kind of a, it'll be a tri uh, kind of a, a, a triad of books dealing with this public-private interface. Now I'm, I'm writing a book on uh, privatization, essentially. So okay, I mean, we know that states are, are present in, present in economy, and they uh, so they control several firms, etc. Uh, how about then we get rid of them and privatize? This, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, those organizations. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? How can it be done? What are the risks? So I'm working on this right now. I would say that this is, I mean, I'm very excited about that. I mean, I, I'll wake up thinking about 
the, the underlying argument. So and so, to me, it's it's important. I need I need to be. Uh, I'm starting to realize that I, uh, realizing that I need to write books because it's a it's a more kind of developed argument. It's a more I'll say long term project, right? Yes. Uh... It's like fresh air, uh, and uh, in, in some regard, uh, there is here a, a difficult question, and I'm going to add a, a second part to the question. The question said, "Who is your academic idol?" And I'm going to add, "Why?" <laughs> it's Ronald Post, without doubt. I mean, it's it's basically. I mean, everything I write, uh, it, it goes back to Post. I mean, it, it's 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 absurd. Uh, how this guy generated all my insights <laughs> that inform either, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the corporate decisions or um, or governmental decisions. I mean, Coase also has, um, talking about privatization, for instance, Coase has a very well, a very nice paper, not not very well known. I mean, but it's, it's a, I mean, it's an excellent paper called The Lighthouse in Economics, where, um, Lighthouses in in uh, right and in, uh, in, uh, they are they 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 were used as examples of uh, public goods, right? Because I mean, you are you are on on, on your boat, are seeing the lighthouse, and uh, you are you're going through the the sea, etc. And so it's a, it's a public good. You cannot exclude anyone, etc. So close. Uh, analyze it. Uh, the, the, what happened? In the, with the organization of lighthouses in England. And he realized that uh, for some time, uh, lighthouses were uh, managed by private actors, right? So, so then he said, I mean, you, you, you don't need, if you have a public good, it doesn't need to be managed by the state, right? Uh, that insight, right, uh, is, is, is the baseline insight that, for instance, I'm using in this new book. Uh, on, on privatization. Of course, there were many developments. Coase generated, used use to generate those general insights, and then other scholars would develop that afterwards. Like uh, the, the insight that companies will internalize uh, certain types of activities if transaction costs are high. Uh, that insight was later development, developed by Oliver Williamson, for instance, and many others. So it's a Ronald Coase, for sure. <laughs> well, the, the, the next question is very tied to your answer because uh, as a scholar who is passionate about TCE and collab goes, I would add, uh, how do you dispassion your analysis so as not to be biased uh, when you do research in favor of your theory? Uh, yeah, topic. I'm seeing here, it's talk, they're talking about TCE, right? Transaction cost economics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, when when I was here, uh, before I went to Washu, uh, that was my paradigm, transaction cost economics, uh, basically. That was, I mean, we were basically doing a lot of a lot of analysis. So, for instance, an agribusiness firm will vertically integrate or not, depending on the 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 the, the, the asset, depending on the the level of asset specificity, if you right. I mean, so I, I can. I, I can say I'm an original TC guy. When I went to Washu, as I said, I mean, uh, it was a more interdisciplinary approach. Uh, and uh, I mean, and, and, and then I started uh, 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 
uh, noticing that, that 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 very idea was contested. I mean, uh, it was not. I thought that was kind of a bible or something, but it was not the case. I had I had colleagues in organizational behavior that would say, you know, this assumption of opportunism is too strict. Uh, people trust each other, etc. So I started reading about trust, about social networks, right? Granov, Mark Granovetter. Uh, if, you, if you take a look at my dissertation, I try to kind of complement those things. I, I, I try to be, um, you know, uh, to, I try to confront theories. One, one paper in my dissertation was like, okay, I mean, if, if it was an experimental paper. You, you, if you offer a contract to someone, will this signal mistrust, right? There are competing propositions. So I, I, just, I just tested that. Uh, and uh, when and I, I, I saw, I, I didn't find support for this proposition that was pretty popular back then, and uh, offering a contract would undermine trust. Uh, so, right, I mean, so I always tried to see that. I, I was not kind of a, a fan of TCU or anything. I, I, I just, I just said, I mean, this is this is useful. Let, let's let's uh, use this general argument. Let's confront this argument with, the, with data, and let's see what happens. Right. Having said that, uh, as I said, my original thinking is close. And I remember that when I was in the, in the doctoral in the doctoral program, Coase, as I said, Coase was around all the time there at WashU, and there were many many discussions on whether uh, asset specificity or transaction cost explanations were sufficient to explain boundary choices. Uh, Coase back then was writing an article. Uh, kind of a criticizing that old paper by Klein on the Fisher body, uh, right, transaction problem, which was the origin of the whole DAP story, the whole DAP story. Coast was simply saying that, that that was not true because Coast was there. <laughs> he visited general models, uh, right, and, 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 and he knew uh, actually he was a person who was there at the moment studying that. So I, I was, in a sense, I was, I said, okay, Right, so then what are the alternative explanations? I mean, if, if it is not asset specificity, then it, it is what? So, I mean, uh, and then and then you start looking for uh, new explanations, improved theories. Okay, we, we with the next question, we are going back to your researcher experience. And here uh, we have, what would be the top three, top three suggestions about research writing you would give to a junior researcher in Strat? Research writing, how to write papers? How to write yeah, papers? Yes, uh, yes. research writing, yeah. exactly. Research right. writing. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean. Writing papers uh, overall, I think that the question is doing, is writing papers and producing paper could be, you can be broader if you want, no? Yeah. Well, when I, I remember uh, Anita again, in terms of uh, first thing that I always always do is to see if the topic is is interesting and will attract an, an attention, either from you know from a kind of a broad, broader audience, depending on uh, your position in your academia, right? And I remember Anita again mentioning that uh, uh, it, it, we we shouldn't go. You mentioned sports, right? Soccer shouldn't go uh, and run towards where the ball is now, but where the ball is going, right? I mean, you need to have this sense of opportunity of what are the future movements, right, of, of research. So you, for instance, Roberto, you you are investing in this crisis and this line of research on crisis. I mean, of course, this is important. And now we had this COVID crisis. 
I mean, it would be crucially important to know how companies adapt to crisis. So this is a kind of an example where, where, where the ball may be going, right? So that's, that's one. Try to see uh, where the ball is going. How, how can you do that? It's not reading papers that are published now in journals because those papers started five years ago or even more, right? It's actually talking to people, connecting with people, uh, going to conferences, etc., etc. Right? I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it could be anything. I mean, I'm not the person to say uh, every game is a game. I mean, there's a game in uh, corporate strategy. There's another game in co competitive strategy. There's a game in the, this literature on alliances networks. I'm trying to play in this game of, uh, of right, the social-oriented company stakeholder stakeholders, etc., and strategy, policy, public policy and strategy. I mean, every, every topic is a game. I mean, you need to know. I mean, second thing is, is, is actually to have a very crisp and clear writing. Uh, I mean, um, and I remember when I was in a PhD program, uh, that was so important. There was, there was a person help, helping uh, the university, right? Uh, helping... Um, uh, students uh, who are not uh, native English speakers like me. So I actually use that, that woman a lot. I mean, I went there every time with a text, uh, I mean, asking for suggestions. And I also remember Todd Zenger mentioning to me that, I mean, uh, English writing is pretty straightforward, right? Uh, we did that or we analyzed that. I mean, for instance, in Portuguese, I think more Portuguese than Spanish, Roberto. But we try to build long sentences, convoluted sentences. Everybody thinks it's artistic. <laughs> you know, this is a kind of changing mindset. Another thing is how to build or to write the introduction. And for that, I would I really recommend a paper by Jake Barney. It's a short article in the Cannibal Management Research. I don't remember the, the title of the, the article, but it's how, how to frame an introduction, etc. And Jake has this very nice uh, kind of allegory where you writing a paper, you're kind of uh, going to a party. And uh, you go to a party, there's this big room. You need to go and find uh, a group of people talking, right? So it's, I don't know, it's a stakeholder theory, it's, corporate, it's vertical integration, it's crisis. And you go there, you need to know the debate. You need to know the debate. And, and the first paragraph is actually expressing this debate or summarizing this debate. The second paragraph is a however, right? It's like in a conversation you say, okay, okay, guys, I understand, I understand what you guys are saying. However, what is missing is as follows. Right, and, and, and what is missing is not that. Sometimes I see papers here published in Brazil, which is like that. Uh, there's a lot of papers on alliances in high tech. Uh, however, there is no paper using Brazilian data. That's not a contribution, right? That's not a contribution. Uh, it, uh, the contribution is what, what, what do the Brazilian data tell you about uh, certain things that are not well understood, right? So there's this uh, important thing, which is, which is understanding and proposing and kind of filling this kind of gap in understanding, right? So this is the second paragraph. And then you, you write, a, you, then you go uh, again, um, uh, talking about your contribution. So this is crucial. I mean, if you don't write a good introduction, uh, you get a reviewer, the reviewer will probably reject your paper because the reviewer get angry and, and whatever you do afterwards, I mean, it'll be, yeah, 
basically. I mean, they're well considered. The, the paper you mentioned, one in the audience already wrote, is from 2018. Yeah, that's right. So thanks, Victor. Paper for publication, Academy Management Review. Yeah, Victor is my student as well. Thank you, Victor. You know, I mean, I have my kind of slaves here. Hey, good to see you. Just, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, before before going, there is there is a question, but I I, I am intriguing. Uh, in your academic career, uh, do you remember facing a dead end paper, a paper in which you have worked for long? and you cannot solve it, and it seems that it's going nowhere. Uh, do you have an experience? And how did you solve that puzzle? Many times. I mean, I, I think this year I'll break my record. It is a paper that, is, uh, that was finally accepted at the Industrial Corporate Change. 12 years of revision. I mean, it was, it was rejected six or seven times, twice in the second R&R, &R, which is pretty, I mean, being rejected in the second r and is really painful, really, really painful because you invest a lot in the paper. I mean, it was eventually accepted by Giovanni Dozzi and that's, oh my God, Giovanni Dozzi accepted one. <laughs> so I was really happy. So, I mean, sometimes I endure, sometimes we, we try to, because we believe in the paper, sometimes, I mean, we just shift your, uh, your attention to other things. So for instance, I have a paper in my dissertation on the dynamics of interfirm networks where uh with, with todd zenger actually where we we try to build this argument that uh, uh todd had this theory about vacillation right how, how firms may, may go back and forth in terms of uh, certain organizational decisions like decentralization centralization centralization so we we, we actually try to create a theory uh or to build a theory more or less along along these lines so we, we got rejected many times and at a moment I said, I mean, I'm not interested in this anymore. So I kind of uh, abandoned that paper. However, more recently I saw uh, a paper published actually by Ron Burt, which is a, who is a very important guy in, in the network theory, which, is, which has this kind of a, a similar argument, right? How networks may go back and forth, forth in terms of different configurations. Anyway, I mean, uh, uh, in a sense, I got happy because I said, oh, we're, what we were saying was not uh, actually uh, absurd in a sense, right? It was, it, it, made, it, it made sense. Uh, but unfortunately, I mean, we, we, we didn't manage to get that published. So uh, sometimes I just abandon a, a paper because then I said, I mean, I'm not interested in that. If I'm not interested in a piece, then I mean, I, I only publish things uh, that, that I believe in, I mean, uh, or that I'm interested in. Uh, I, uh, I would like to invest in that, right? So, Okay, Sergio, there is, um, again, a question about emerging, doing research in emerging, or being a scholar in emerging economies. And what are your top recommendations to fund or otherwise support research for faculty working in resource poor organizations? In, in what? Sorry? Resource poor, in poor organization, poorer or organizations that lack resources for research. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that can be really, really problematic. I mean, uh, if, if the organization is, doesn't have uh, resources, then it, it's complicated because perhaps you're not going to have time to do research, right? 
I mean, it's it's not it's not it's not a good situation. You need time. It's not. I don't think that uh, resources to buy databases or that kind of thing is as important as as as, as having time. And and if we are, for instance, in an emerging market, I mean, when we have families, we need to have a sad good salary. So sometimes we need to teach a lot, etc. I mean, I, I, I always try to stay at, at organizations that had a minimal commitment to research. And, and as I said, even at INSPIRE, right? I mean, I, I, sometimes I even had, had to help that process happen, okay? Uh, participate, I mean, I participated several times in strategic planning process, trying to see if we could have other sources of funds, if we could convince uh, managers that research was important, if we could create specialized career tracks, right? I, I, I help a design a, a more uh, uh, focused research-oriented career. Sometimes they also need to work. I mean, if it is not, it's not possible and you would like to do research, I would recommend that you try to find another institution in another country or something. I mean, uh, uh, now we, even in emerging markets, we have many, many schools, not many, but uh, some schools right here and there investing more and more in, uh, in, in research. Could you elaborate even further regarding doctoral students in emerging markets? So you, you mentioned sure. before that you, you launched the doctoral program and if doing research uh, is a bit challenging in emerging markets or in South America, uh, starting, because you start in US, no, our doctoral students should start in a in a more aggressive environment. So, what what are your recommendations for for those uh, young scholars that decide to do their PhD in Brazil, Argentina, Chile, whatever? Yeah. Well, in in our doctoral program, and there are others here in São Paulo, very good programs. Uh, we try to follow more or less the what, what is uh, found in a good. Uh, I mean, U.S. University, I mean, of course, considering our scale, right, all other things constant. I mean, we try to have a very good, give them a very good background, a very good training, et cetera, et cetera. Proof of that, I mean, I think there are, I mean, so for instance, uh, Tomas, who is here, is now, was my student, uh, our student here is now a, a postdoc at a Harvard Business School. I mean, and he's, he'll be on the job market, right? I mean, if you'd like to hire Tomas, I mean. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and what we have here is a very good training and our doctoral program is joined with economics, meaning that those guys really have very good empirical training, right? I mean, and uh, those guys are, are experts in all types of uh, econometric techniques that you can imagine. So, Combine that with uh, a smart uh, kind of uh, action to get novel databases, unique databases, leverage, uh, I don't know, data, uh, data that is in, in companies, et cetera, then we're going to have very good papers. So, I, I mean, uh, and, and, and there are very good programs that they're going to find in emerging markets along those lines. Um, we, we don't have additional question, but uh, I would like to, make a change in the dynamic of this conversation, uh, if the division allow me. And uh, we have several people that worked with you, uh, several of your students, and I would really love to listen at least one 
of that students talking about Sergio. I know that it's a difficult, a difficult position, but it would be great to, to from, from a person that, uh, that uh, see you from outside, what do you admire? What, what, what are the aspects about Sergio that, sorry, Sergio, if I put you in, in uncomfortable, but it would be but why need to leave? Honest, Let, to should honest. be double-blinded or something? Should I leave? <laughs> But it would be nice to, to see other eyes about Sergio. So I invite if any of you that are here would like to to stress. Oh, there's another one, Pedro Macu here, also working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are all here. All so, here. so Sergio, I was about to blast you because you forgot about me. Repeated That's okay. That's right. Yeah. And no, I've I mean, been I here. Cannot, I, I have my cell phone here and the computer with everybody here, so I couldn't see you. But you are here. <laughs> if I didn't forget anyone. So. I'll, 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 I'll pretend that I, that I uh, believe. But, so Pedro was actually my undergrad student. He did a very nice uh, kind of research while in the undergrad program, helped Aldo and I build very complicated databases. One of his actually papers, papers in the undergrad program was accepted recently in strategy science. So now Pedro is, uh, is a doctoral student at UCLA. So good to see you, Pedro. Thanks, Sergio. Always good to see you too. Uh, I will always, I will also be in the job market like all the Brazilians that are your students <laughs> next year. So Sergio had the perfect time. This is the Brazilian invasion. <laughs> exactly. It's the Brazilian wave of academia because we have like five people here in this call that are Sergio students that will be in the job market next year. Uh, so congratulations on that timing. But, uh, but answering Roberto, uh, and Roberto, I actually met you one time that you went to Inspur. Uh, we, we talked briefly uh, back then when I was starting to work for Sergio. So nice to see you again. Um, but so, I mean, Sergio basically like molded me as a researcher because I was, I was like in the undergraduate program in economics. And like, I always wanted to like, you know, keep doing econ. econ. Uh, and, you know, I started working with Sergio and I started working, uh, you know, he had like two kind of lines of research. One was state-owned enterprises. The other one was the impact investing. And I started on the state-owned enterprises uh, side of his research. And, um, you know, and he introduced me to so many, just so many people and, you uh, I actually, I, I ended up with Aldo Musacchio in, uh, in HBS uh, right after I started working with Sergio. Later on, I did a master's degree with him uh, in Brandeis University. And so, you know, and they kind of uh, slapped me out of the idea of doing an econ PhD, which I am really, really thankful for now. And uh, I think that one, one like really nice thing about what Sergio does in Brazil is like, um, I think Sergio has like a social impact of like forming, like uh, educating uh, really good um, and, and you know, not trying to brag, but really good uh, people like researchers for, you know, for the academic environment of Brazil, which is a really good economics uh, environment, but not so much in management. We, at least we don't have this tradition, but I think Sergio is building like a really good cohort. And we have Tomas here, we have Leandro, Vitor, uh, Leandro, the other Leandro, Leandro Nardi, 
And, you know, so um, we have a lot of them here. Uh, I think Sergio is doing a great service to the Brazilian Academia in management with, with this. So we're all thankful for that, Sergio. Thanks, Pedro. Always a pleasure to work with you. Thank you, Pedro. I think that was very useful, your comments. So I, I find it very useful. Uh, and I would like just to open for a last question to any of the audience, if they want to directly ask Sergio the a final question. And uh, so I, I think it's, we, can, we can wait a bit. <laughs> well, for me, it has been an honor uh, and a pleasure, uh, a pleasure in leading this conversation. Thank you very much, Sergio. And thank you everyone that attended today. Xiao, uh, I don't know if you have a, a final comment. Um, well, thank you, Roberto, for the wonderful moderation. Thank you, Sergio. That was absolutely amazing. Um, we will have the next session for the Middle Scholar on December 15th. So uh, you folks will hear from me. Uh, sorry for the mass emails, but we will hear from me on the, on the links. Looking forward to seeing you there. And before that, have a wonderful um, rest of the November. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, guys. Really, it was a real pleasure and honor to be here. I mean, it's, I mean, uh, anyway, uh, keep up you all the, the good the good work thanks for being here thanks to my all oh, this my students and friends here and uh you know let's keep in touch let's see if we can meet if not uh, in person virtually right in uh in all of those meetings thanks Jiao. thanks roberto thanks team for the for the invitation it was a real pleasure thank you Sancho. thank you bye bye bye